It's been about a year since I last stood in this pulpit. And two wonderful things, at least two, but two wonderful things have happened since then. One, Father Noah has come to serve as priest in charge here. And I join with many in the congregation in expressing both joy and, um, and gratitude for that. The other thing is a year ago, most everybody in the congregation was wearing a mask. This is difficult for everyone, but particularly difficult for the preacher. Because the preacher can't see whether you are sleeping or whether you are awake, whether you are frowning or smiling. Let's hope that the pandemic is largely behind us. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth, and open our hearts and minds to your word, that hearing we may believe, and believing we may trust our lives to your love, this day and all the days that follow, through Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. John the Baptist spent a lot of time in the wilderness. He lived in the wilderness where he existed on a strange diet of locusts and wild honey. And maybe that is why Jesus, when in today's Gospel reading, when Jesus is asked about John, says, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? I wonder if you have ever spent any time in the wilderness the way that John did. Some years ago, I traveled with a group of clergy to the Holy Land where we visited all of the typical touristy places, Bethlehem, Nazareth, the River Jordan, the Sea of Galilee, and of course Jerusalem, where our Lord Jesus was crucified, died, and buried, and after three days raised from the dead. But in addition to all of that, our group did something out of the ordinary, far off the beaten path. We walked the old Roman road that runs from Jerusalem down to Jericho. To call it a road is actually something of an exaggeration. It's nothing like Granby or Collie or Olney. It is more like a single path, dirt path, which winds back and forth and, and up and down across the barren wilderness. As we walked that wilderness road, we thought of the many times that the scriptures speak about the wilderness. But on that particular day and on that particular road, what we thought about mostly was Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, in which a certain man walked this very same road from Jerusalem down to Jericho until he fell among thieves. And when we thought about that, we looked nervously over our shoulders to make sure no modern-day thieves were stalking us. 
Part of the reason that wilderness plays such a major theme in the Bible is because much of the Holy Land is, in fact, desert or wilderness. But another part of the reason is because wilderness is such an apt metaphor for life. We all have wilderness experiences, whether we are literally trudging through the desert with the sand between our toes, or sitting at home alone on a cold December afternoon. As I see it, these wilderness experiences fall into a couple of broad categories. Some of them are, are personal, maybe even private. I am thinking, for example, about the main character in a novel called Therapy. His name is Tubby Passmore, and he is going through a full-blown midlife crisis. Outwardly, he seems to be living a happy, healthy, and productive life. But inwardly, not so much. What's the matter with me, he wonders. What's the matter with my, my head, my mind, my soul? One day, his therapist asks him to make a list, writing in one column all of the good things about his life, and in another column, the bad things. In the good column, he writes, professionally successful, well-off, good health, stable marriage, kids successfully launched into adult life, nice house, great car, as many days off as I want. In the bad column, he writes just one thing, but what a revealing thing it is. He says, I feel unhappy most of the time. That's the wilderness. For here is a woman lost in a wilderness of grief, still heartbroken over the death of her husband. Recently, she said to me, I, I came into the family room the other day, and I fully expected to see him sitting in his favorite chair. And then I remembered he won't be sitting in that chair ever again. Or maybe there is someone here experiencing a wilderness of doubt. Yes, it's true, you are here in this beautiful worship space this morning with this gathered congregation. But deep down inside, you are not really sure what you believe about God or, or the church or even life itself. Yes, some of our wilderness experiences are personal, we might even say private, while others are national and even global. We as a nation are living through some sort of a wilderness right now. A wilderness of toxic anger which erupts like a volcano into one mass killing after another. Members of the UVA football team, patrons at a gay nightclub, employees at a Walmart in nearby Chesapeake. And let's not forget the war in Ukraine, 
which rages on and on the pictures of bombed out buildings looking like some terrible desert wasteland. And who even dares to imagine what our world would look like if Putin were to unleash his nuclear weapons? Because we all have wilderness experiences like the ones I've just described to you, or maybe some others, it's important to pay attention to what the scriptures actually say about the wilderness, what they tell us about the wilderness. And part of what they tell us is that the wilderness is a place of danger and of risk. After all, Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and afterwards, he was famished. Hundreds of years before Jesus, the Hebrew people spent two trying times in the wilderness. The first was following their escape from slavery in Egypt. It's true God led them out of bondage. It's true that God led them across the Red Sea. It's true that God led them to freedom in the desert. But not long after, that freedom felt more like a burden than a blessing. And so they complained to Moses. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you, Moses, you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The other Hebrew experience in the wilderness was equally dangerous, but for different reasons. Sometime after the destruction of Jerusalem, about 586 BC, many of the Jews were forced to march as prisoners of war to faraway Babylon, where they lived for a generation or more as strangers in a strange land. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They cried out. There in Babylon, they had a very real worry. And that was whether they could somehow hold on to their unique Hebrew identity and religion, or whether the local culture would swallow them up the way our angry culture threatens to swallow us up if we do not cling to what makes us uniquely Christian. Yes, the wilderness is a place of danger and risk and even death. The scriptures make that clear. But they also tell us that the wilderness can be a place of heavenly help and surprise and even joy. Remember the Good Samaritan appeared on that wilderness road, and he ministered to the man in the ditch. And out in the wilderness, God sent water from a rock when the people were thirsty, and manna from heaven when they were hungry. Speaking of hunger, as far as my research indicates, 
There is only one of Jesus' many miracles that is recorded by all four New Testament Gospel writers, and that is the feeding of the 5,000 in the wilderness. All of the Gospel writers tell a similar story, but only Mark includes one interesting and colorful detail. Mark writes that when Jesus saw the crowd that had come out into the wilderness, he instructed the disciples to get the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. Now, notice Mark does not tell us that the sky was blue or that the people wore robes that were brown or beige, only that the grass was green. How odd that there might be green grass in the desert. And for the longest time, I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know what that might mean. But then one day I was reading a book which suggested that the green grass in the desert might actually be a sign or a symbol for when the Messiah comes. For when the Messiah comes, says Isaiah in today's lesson, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Now, let's at least be honest and admit that at one level it seems rather absurd to think about green grass in the desert. But at another level, maybe it's not so absurd after all. It is like an old woman named Sarah, never able to have children, well past childbearing age, her womb as barren as the wilderness, when suddenly she learns she's going to have a son. My favorite author, Frederick Buechner, once wrote about this with wonderful humor and imagination. He said, imagine a baby being born in the geriatric ward and Medicare picking up the tab. <laughs> Sarah herself didn't miss the joyful humor of it all, for she names her son Isaac, a name that literally means he laughs. Can you imagine green grass growing in the desert of all places? It's like a virgin girl learning that she will bear a son, and not just any son, but one who will be both son of Mary and son of God. And when she begins to grasp the enormity of it, she bursts into a joyful song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, she says, all generations will call me blessed. Who can say for sure when 
or even if God might break into your wilderness. But what I can say is this, watch for it, wait for it, joyfully expect that it just might happen. For when you least expect it, the wilderness itself will blossom and rejoice. A woman too old to conceive will nevertheless give birth to a son. A virgin will mother a child who is both savior and redeemer. And as Jesus himself puts it in today's gospel reading, some of the most incredible things imaginable. Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And all because the wilderness is not just a barren place of danger and risk, but might also be, by God's grace, a place of heavenly help and surprise and even joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.